So this morning is the, the final uh, sermon in this series we've been working through of bless, of blessing our community, blessing people around us so that we can encourage them. Um, hopefully that over these last few weeks you've maybe had some insights into what it might look like to bless people, to, to encourage others. Or that maybe you've had some things you've been reminded of, of what we're here to do as followers of Jesus. That it's good for us to meet together and pray, but also God has a mission for each of us. Every one of us who live here have mission responsibilities in our community. And I also pray too that um, you're also being encouraged. That you're seeing insights, but also that um, you're looking at ways to go and bless people in our community. But you're looking at ways that not only through blessing them, that you're also positioned to encourage them to help them find and follow Jesus. Well, over these last few weeks, we've been working through bless. And if you remember uh, the, the first week, thanks, Rick. The first week, we talked about uh, Jesus. I mean, we watched as he went to go and meet with Zacchaeus uh, and how he brought Zacchaeus into his kingdom. And we see that Jesus is on kingdom or sorry, is on mission. And if Jesus is on mission, those who follow him, those of us who are following him, means that we too are on mission. It's funny, I'm looking how it, the formatting on that. Yeah. If Jesus is on mission, so following Jesus means that we are on mission too. To all of us. And oftentimes we think of missionaries, people who go to some far off country, special gifts and amazing faith. And then we think, oh, that's not me. But we're going to talk some about that today, that all of us, God has given all of us mission work here in this community. And we started working through each of these letters of bless, each letter standing for a different practice, a different missional habit that helps us encourage others, that puts us in position to be a blessing to people, but also to encourage them in faith. And we talked about B, it means to begin with prayer, that we start with everything, with praying, asking the Lord to be um, to send workers, asking the Lord to send us, asking the Lord to prepare the way, to give us the words to speak. We begin with prayer, asking the Holy Spirit to be at work in their lives, to fill them, that they would see who Jesus is. Then we talked about L, about listening with care and about what a gift that is in our culture today was people move so fast, lives are so um, busy with so many things and people tend to live so shallow that just spending time to listen with care and what a gift that can be. And then we talked too about eating with people, about how Jesus ate with people to bring them into his circle, to bring them into community. Now, Jesus ate with some of the most despicable people of his time to show that they weren't garbage, to show that they mattered to God, to bring them in. And so we, we go out and we eat with people in our community and we talked about how amazing it is, the conversations that you can have over or around a dinner table the things that would be awkward to talk about while you're sitting or standing talking with somebody in line for something, how easy that conversation, conversation can come as you sit around a table. And then we talk too about serving with love and how powerful that is in our community, especially this community here. We have a lot of people who live around us who, you know, they're interested in what you say, but really only when they see how you've lived it out in your life. The way that we live gives us opportunity to speak to where people even care what we believe or why we live the way we do. So we talked about how powerful it is to serve in love. And then we, the last week we talked some about sharing our story, like Judy did today with some of Rick's help. About how when people know us and, we know, and they know that we care for them, and we've demonstrated it by serving in love, by eating with them, by listening, by praying for them, 
then they begin to care about our story and why we follow Jesus and what it's meant for us and how it's transformed our lives. Not only that, but then they begin to care about the whole story, the big story of the good news that God sent his son that whoever believes in him might have eternal life and be a part of his kingdom. So we work through these three or these, uh, these five elements of bless to go out and to be a blessing to people. Well, this morning we are moving on to the last part of it, uh, the capstone. And I was thinking of a text or a passage you know, that encourages us in mission. I was starting to think of Luke uh, chapter 10. And Rick, if you can take the, the next slide. Rick, if you could move one more slide forward. Thanks. Um, we, this, uh, Luke chapter 10, it's as if, um, hopefully it will take all of these things that we've been talking about. Following Jesus on mission, all these different elements of bless. And this totally looked different on my computer. <laughs> so, you know what, you can just turn it off. I'll just do it. I had this image of God taking all of these elements of realizing that Jesus is on mission. That's the central part. And because of him, we are on mission too. And then all these elements of bless, of beginning with prayer, of listening, of eating together, of sharing our story, of serving others in love, taking all of these things together and bringing them, taking them out on mission, out into our community. And as listening, I've been actually reading this book by, uh, he's a former pastor, his name is Alan Roxburgh. He lives in North Vancouver. He's been uh, writing a lot and talking a lot, um, teaching a lot on missional church. And he has this book called uh, Missional, um, Joining God in the Neighborhood. And he has uh, this last part of his book where I um, was listening and reading a lot this last week, um, talking about Luke chapter 10 and how formative that has been for him and for the, the group of Christians that he's been around in guiding us in mission as a guiding text. That's something that will help us take all of these things, all of this bless, all of this fact that we are missionaries because we're following Jesus who is a missionary, all of this, it helps us move it out into our community. All of these habits, all of these practices, Luke chapter 10 is a guide for us. And I know that over these last few weeks, some of you have been uh, practicing some of these blessed habits. Some of you have begun praying for people in your community, people, your friends, your neighbors, that maybe God would give you an opportunity to share faith with them or that their faith would begin to grow or that they'd have questions. I know some of you have been listening on purpose to your friends, saying, let's go together, let's go have coffee or let's have lunch together. I'm curious to hear what is in, what's happening in your life, to just listen to people. And I know some of you are eating together, purposely inviting people to gather around a table or around a coffee table to hear what's going on in their life, to encourage them, to share lives together. I know some of you have found ways to serve others in these last few weeks. And I know some of you are looking for ways to share your story. You've been doing these things, all the, um, hoping that at one point, at the right moment, you'll be able to share your story about why it is you believe and what it is you believe. But maybe some of you are still thinking, you know, Jason, I've been working on these habits, but how do, we, how do we take this out into our community? Maybe some of you have questions about that. Or maybe some of you need the, just the, the command from Jesus to go. And so I wanted to look at Luke chapter 10. If you would, open your Bibles. Or also, too, there's this, this insert, if you'd like. It's just on the first page, or the inside page. It's Luke chapter 10. 
And it's actually just verses uh, 1 to 16, not 1 to 24. So if you would read it with me. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into this harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to, your, to our feet we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So, powerful text. This amazing charge by Jesus to go. And, as you're, and also, too, some um, encouraging, some, some honest words about what happens when people reject and people refuse to hear it. As I've been listening to this story, though, a couple things have stood out. One is that Jesus sends ordinary people out to proclaim that the kingdom is near, to join God in what he's doing. Let's just take a look at some of those elements. First of all, Jesus sends out 72. It's interesting, and uh, as I was reading some this week, is realizing the 72, it just says the 72. It doesn't say their name. They're not written down for all of history to remember. They're just disciples. Ordinary people who Jesus sends out. It doesn't talk about in the text about how Jesus selected them. Did he gather together of the maybe couple hundred people who were around him? Did he gather together? Did he go on a, on a, a search committee to find the most gifted evangelists? The most powerful speakers? No, he just sends out 72 anonymous people. These aren't the crack um, evangelists of his day. They aren't the most, the most eloquent speakers. They aren't the most learned people. Just as he sends out 72 I think God does this because, one, he wants the, when the amazing things happen, he wants to make sure that people know that it's because of him, not because someone is so gifted or because someone is so amazing at speaking or persuasive in in talking with others, but that people would know that it is Jesus, that it is God who's doing this, it is his spirit. But not only that, but then when he does amazing things with people, it's it's even a more uh, impressive testimony. When he takes normal people, like you and like me, and he does amazing things, people begin to see who God is. 
They don't get caught up in how uh, special or how intelligent or how gifted a person is. They start looking at God. So he just sends out 72 ordinary people. Ordinary people like you and like me. And he does. He sends them out. I, had just, I was thinking of how Jesus, I don't know if you've ever had something that's wet and you somehow spin it and the water just flies off in every direction. I had this image of Jesus just like spinning and all of his disciples go flying out in all these different directions. The disciples go out to all these towns where he's about to go. And he says, pray to God, pray to the Lord of the harvest for more workers because the harvest, the harvest is ripe. In my notes, I have this picture of, of a grain of barley bent over because it's heavy, because it's so ripe. There are people in our community, people around us, who are looking for help, who are looking for meaning, who are looking for hope, who are looking for salvation, who are looking for forgiveness, who are looking for community, there are people around us. The harvest is ripe. So Jesus encourages disciples, pray to the Lord that he would send out workers. That's like the workers praying to God that he would send out them. He says, I send you out as, as sheep among the wolves. It's not going to be easy. There will be discouragement. There will be people who reject it. There will be people who ridicule you because of what you talk about, because of what you believe. We're going to come back to that. But Jesus is sending out. And I tried to emphasize it, but if you look at verse 3, it just says, in the NIV, it just says, go. Go, exclamation point, go. And it's interesting because in, as you read Scripture, uh, Luke could have said, and Jesus told the disciples to go. And you still get the same meaning. But Luke chose to give us, or the Holy Spirit moved him, to write in such a way that we hear what Jesus said. Jesus spoke to his disciples, go. But the way it's written, it's as if God is not only just speaking to those disciples who were around him that day, but also to all disciples who read this text. What I'm trying to say is this text says, go. You, go. You, disciples of Jesus' day, you go. You, disciples in this room, you go. And it's a command. It's not, you know, if you feel like it or if it's convenient or if you're super, feeling super spiritual one day, it just says go, exclamation point. You, go. This morning, we are sent. Reading this text, as disciples of Jesus, we are sent. Sent out. Out into our community. And I've since God been, uh, has been working at me, working in me to go out more in our community. You know, I think that's something that I'm grateful for our uh, this church family is that we, we do both. We, there's, a, there's a strong inclination, it's, and it happens in a lot of churches, there's a strong inclination to invite people in. There's a strong thing to, to bring people in, which is good. And please, keep bringing people in. But also, and this is something I think most churches, um, most churches need encouragement in, or continue encouragement, is to keep going out as well. 
going out across barriers, going out and mingling with people who are different than us, or maybe people who seem uh, resistant to us, that we keep going out. We keep going out of our comfort zone because it's pretty comfortable for us in this, in this particular place. But we keep going out into our community, whether it's a pub in Caslow or the BBI here in Balfour, that we go out into our community. So Jesus sends ordinary people, these 72, and he sends them out. And he sends them out and he says, when you go, go without baggage. Go without sandals, without a purse or a bag or or any sort of pack. Go without your baggage. And it's interesting because of what that does, the sort of work that that, how that shapes what they do. You see, in the ancient world, hospitality was very different than it is for us. In the ancient world, hospitality was uh, one of the highest values. So if someone came to your door that you didn't know and said, I need a place to stay, there was lots of pressure, lots of social values around having that person in at least for a meal to help take care of them. It's very different for us today. If somebody shows up at your door and says, I need a place to stay, you say, well, I think there's a hotel about a, you know, four or five kilometers that way. Good luck. So it is different for us today. I mean, if we were to begin traveling out in Balfour, maybe some of us, because we've lived here a while, maybe some people would welcome us in and let us stay at their home. But imagine going to some new place. How much you have to rely on God for that. To go to some new place and rely on the hospitality of others. So Jesus says, when you go, don't take anything with you. Don't take your baggage. But it's interesting, too, as listening to, like I mentioned earlier, um, Alan Roxburgh in his book, and he was talking about, um, Jesus says, don't take your sandals or your bag. And Alan says, don't take your baggage with you when you go out. And he's talking about a lot of the baggage that we as Christians bring out with us on mission. How we sometimes approach mission about telling others about Jesus like it's a program or like we're selling something or like we're trying to convince people. And I I get the urgency that we have. I feel it too. This desire to have people see who Jesus is the way that we see him. They can see how important it is, how, how meaningful he is for our lives. Absolutely. But it, gets, it, it becomes a problem if we try to sell it <laughs> or if we try to force people or pressure people or if we bring our baggage with us and it's more of a program of what we think they need rather than what they already know they need. I hear Jesus saying, don't bring your baggage because when we don't bring our baggage, one, we have to rely on God. It's not up to us or how pragmatic we are or how gifted we are. We have to rely on God. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to make a way for us. But not only that, but we don't bring our baggage either. We go into a community and and we listen. How can we be a blessing to you? Versus, hey, we've already figured out what you need and here it is for you. Aren't you so excited? And people sometimes receive it and it hits the mark, but sometimes they're like, you know, thank you, but I don't really want or need this. 
so that we don't go with our baggage. We don't take our baggage with us. Because sometimes our baggage gets in the way of what God is already doing, what the Holy Spirit is already at work doing in people's lives. So when we go out, don't take our baggage so that we are able to listen and to be aware of or to be sensitive to what God is doing there and then we can join in that because that will be way more fruitful. So we go without our baggage and we remain open to what the Holy Spirit is doing. All right? So we go, we don't take our baggage, and we look and it says, as you enter this home, uh, say, peace be on you, or peace be with you. And it's interesting because when we go to someone's home, I don't know what you usually say, but usually it's something like, hello, right? Or we're here. It's interesting because I was um, in, like, for example, in, um, in Arab countries, they say uh, salam, which is like a translation of shalom, peace. They begin with peace. And I was thinking about how when I was taking uh, Hebrew, uh, Julie, my tutor, uh, she'd often say, Ma shalom cha, how's your shalom? And I would say, shalom itov, my, my peace is good. You begin with peace rather than with hello. And how um, Jesus goes, says, go to these places and, and, and speak peace. Proclaim peace to these homes. And it's interesting, he says, and then if a person is there, a person of peace, in the text it says man, in Greek it says son, the son of peace, then he'll receive it. And I started thinking about how we often go to places and um, you can just get the sense of some people are interested to talk about faith with you. They're interested. They have this spiritual hunger. Uh, something in them is not right and they know it or, or they want to know more about Jesus, more about faith. And we talked about it a few weeks ago. Those people are like fruit. If you remember, like fruit that's ripe. It's ready to be picked. Some people aren't. Some people, you say in this text, you know, if someone, um, if you say peace to you and it, they don't receive it and they re- it returns back to you, then move on to the next place. You know, I think sometimes we, we make the mistake of saying, you know what, this is the kind of person I want to convert. This is the kind of person that I want to be in church with me. And so we focus on them and we stay connected to them and they just, they just keep saying, no, no thanks, no thanks, no thanks. And yet we keep trying harder and harder. Maybe if I do it this way or that way. And I think, you know, if the Holy Spirit has put it on your heart to stick with someone, then do that. But short of that, if someone seems resistant, it's okay to move on to the next person or to, to find that person of peace, to, to say peace to you. And if someone receives it and says, I want to know more about this, then to focus on them. To see fruit come from those conversations rather than trying to force it with maybe somebody who's not ready or who may never be ready. I started thinking about or actually reading about like this piece and how, how formative it was for them to say shalom. Because we think of peace and we think of like, oh, it's the calmness or the end of anxiety or, or aggression. That's our kind of idea of peace. It usually mostly involves what it, what's not happening anymore, the absence of violence. But in Jesus' time, shalom had so much more than that. 
It was the presence, I mean, it was the absence of violence and absence of, of angst and strife, but also the presence of prosperity. It was the presence of blessing. It was the presence of abundance, the presence of joy. Shalom included all those things. Not only that, but it had an end time uh, connotation to it. Because shalom was what God was bringing, ultimately what things would be like when Christ returned. So you can get this picture of what God's peace looks like, how good it is. So Jesus is saying, when you enter a house, speak this peace over them. And if there's a person there who receives it, then you know that you've got a great opportunity. You've got a great um, chance at a relationship with them to encourage them in faith. And if they don't receive it, then it will return back to you. So you go to a place and you find a person of peace and then you stay at that house. I hear Jesus saying, basically, enter into their lives. Become a real friend. Someone who really cares about them. That will keep us from making people the object of our project. The object of our evangelism crusade. Or the object of our new program. But enter into people's lives. Whatever they put in front of you, eat. Eat with them. Gather around the table. Ask them what has been going on in their lives. And then when you have the opportunity, share what God has been doing in your life. That's natural around the table. Enter into people's lives. Don't bounce from house to house like a butterfly. But spend time entering into their life and see what God does. The last thing that I'm realizing from this story is uh, don't be discouraged. You go to talk with people and they're kind of like, uh, Craig, you're saying, and you talk with your friends and they, and they say, you know what, I don't need to hear it. Don't be discouraged. You know, there are some people who don't want to hear it and who won't want to hear it. And there are probably people that, you know, unless God has put it on your heart to, to continue with them, then do that faithfully, absolutely. But maybe you start sharing those conversations or you start making relationships with other people too, um, to the people who are open to it, who, who want to know more about this faith that you have and how it's changed your life. Because there will be people who reject it. We all know that. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. Most of us have had that experience where we start talking about faith and, and people... Uh, all of a sudden remember that their oven is still on and they have to go or they left their car running and they need to run away. <laughs> I've had those experiences. But I just want to say that that's not abnormal. So don't be discouraged. I mean, it doesn't feel good, but it's not abnormal. Jesus says, when they reject you, don't worry, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting Jesus. And Jesus said, actually, they're not even rejecting him, they're reflecting the Father who sent him. So don't be discouraged. Be gracious. And if someone says, no, thank you, unsubscribe, then don't keep pressuring. Respect that. So this morning, this, this text is, is a guide for us, a capstone of everything we've been talking with Bless. Jesus sends out ordinary people. He sends them out like, uh, like spinning. and he just, They just radiate out from him ordinary people to proclaim this amazing news that the kingdom of God is near. To encourage others in their faith. 
He's saying, when you go, don't take a bunch of baggage. Don't take your plans and how you think it should go. Show up faithfully and watch what the Spirit is already doing. Be attentive to that. Listen. And watch for people of peace. Watch for that person of peace. Pray that God would send that person. So when you start talking with them about faith, it just clicks for them and you have this opportunity to encourage them. And when you do find those people, stay in their lives. Don't just hop around. Try to develop a relationship with them. And if things don't go well, don't be discouraged. I dream of revival for our community. I hear these things. These last few weeks have we've been talking about blessing people, about praying with them, about listening to them, about eating with them, about serving them, about sharing our stories. I dream of God reviving faith in our community. Think about that. Your friends, the people you live next to, the people you know who we live around, God reviving their faith or bringing brand new faith to them. Imagine that, a community that was growing ever more faithful. What that would mean for people who are left on the outsides, how we would care for them better. What that would mean for our kids and how we'd raise them, how we'd spend more time with them. Imagine what that could mean for our community. This morning, I hear God saying to us, I hear Jesus saying to us, go. Go. Go and bless people. Begin with prayer. Listen with care to them. Eat with them. Serve in love. Share our story. And then watch and see what God does. Amen.